0: Welcome to the Marion Road Christian Church Podcast. Marion Road exists to glorify God through worship, sharing the good news, making and developing disciples, and serving others. Today is a a first for me. Uh, It's the first time that I've had the opportunity here at Marion to introduce a guest preacher to you all that you don't know already, and so I'm going to milk it for all it's worth. Um, (laughs) I'm really blessed here at Marion to have uh, so many uh, weeks out of the year that the elders give me off to uh, have guest preachers come in and do things like that. And so when I was trying to find someone to preach for this particular Sunday, I didn't know who to have fill in with me. And so I called the smartest preacher I know and he said he couldn't be here. (laughs) So then I called the best looking preacher that I know and he said he couldn't be here. So then I called my friend Austin and Austin said, "Well, I've already said no to you twice, so I guess the third time's the charm. So, I guess I can. I guess I can come. You can decide for yourself how much of that story is true. Um, but uh, this is my friend Austin Marple. Austin and I um, have been friends for a long time. We grew up uh, going to church camp together. So, kids, if you have friends at Pine Haven that you always only see in the summer, you can one day you can end up like this. You can hope for that one day." Um, but uh, Austin and I grew up going to church camp together, we went to Bible College together, um, he now uh, works for Camp Christians in uh, at Pittsburgh, whoop, at Pittsburgh State University, uh, in Pittsburgh, Kansas, uh, working with college students there, um, and so I'm really excited, he's been here for the weekend, and so I figured I'd, I'd put him to work, I'm in trouble with his wife because I got him to wear a tie, apparently she's not, doesn't have as much luck with that, um, but it'll be okay, so anyway, I uh, I've been up here long enough, but uh, I'm excited to, for Austin to be here today, continuing our series through the life of Elijah with us. Uh, I'm going to pray for Austin and for us, and then I'll get out of here and, and let, him, let him preach for us. So let's pray. God, we are grateful for your goodness to us, for the grace that you extend to us and Jesus, the grace that you make available to us in our life together with one another. So, God, as we open up your word this morning, we ask that you would, again, help us to listen. Uh, We ask that you would uh, give Austin uh, clear thoughts, clear words, um, help them present your word to us as you would have us to hear it this morning so that we might be drawn closer to you. It's in your son's name that I pray. Amen.
1: Good morning. Like Monty said, my name is Austin, and I get the um, privilege to work with college students. So, yeah, I don't really put on a tie too often. My uniform is uh, much more of a college sweatshirt. Um, I also get to often, so I'm excited for this. Nervous for you guys, but I'm excited. I'm, I'm recognizing now that there's not a clock on the back of the sanctuary. Oh, there is. It's right there. Okay, I found it. You're in luck. You guys are going to be here all day. Um, this this portion of scripture that we're going through today is in Second Kings chapter one verses one through eighteen. If you want to open up there, a little bit of background context. Um, this is talking about Ahaziah, and it's a really short portion of scripture. Ahaziah only gets eighteen verses, um, which is, I mean, probably fitting. And um, there's not a lot of not a lot of grandeur here. You know, he's a king, but he's not remembered as much. He followed in the ways of his dad, Ahab, and followed false idols. He didn't listen to God. Even though he was the king of Israel, he didn't listen to God, didn't seek after the things of God. And it wasn't because he didn't know, he knew about who God is and was, and we'll see that throughout today's story, today's narrative, Um, but there's a lot of tradition around what happened to Ahaziah, why he fell out of a window. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but it's just, this This story has struck me as very interesting. It's not one that I've spent a lot of time in, so I'm studying for it and preparing for it. It's been interesting to see um, parallels into um, the New Testament as well. And, and we can recognize God's goodness through various other stories. But um, before I go off on too much of a tangent, let's just read the text. It's 18 verses. It's a longer chunk, so bear with me. Um, and if you would like to follow along in the words in front of you, that's great. Um, I want to invite you to do something that might feel a little bit different, though, and just listen. Uh, these, these narratives were designed to be heard. Um, they were designed to be read aloud and um, experienced in that way. And so I want to encourage you just, just to listen to the story this morning. Listen to the narrative uh, before we dive into the details and um, tear it apart a little bit. Second Kings 1, starting in verse 1. After the death of Ahab, Moab rebelled against Israel. Now Ahaziah fell through the lattice in his upper chamber in Samaria and lay sick. So he sent messengers telling them, Go inquire of baal the god of Ekron, from this sickness. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, "'Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say to them, "'Is it because there is no god in Israel that you are going to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? "'Now therefore, thus says the Lord, "'You shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die.' "'So Elijah went. "'The messengers returned to the king, and he said to them, "'Why have you returned?' "'And they said to him, "'There there came a man to meet us, and said to us, "'Go back to the king who sent you, and say to him, "'Thus says the Lord.' Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are sending to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Therefore you shall not from the back of which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. He said to them, What kind of man was he who came to meet you and told you these things? They answered him, He wore a garment of hair with a belt of leather on his waist. And he said, It is Elijah the Tishbite. Then the king sent to him a captain of fifty men with his fifty. He went up to Elijah, who was sitting on top of the hill, and he said to him, "O man of God, the king says, "Come down." But Elijah answered the captain of 50. He said, "If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50." Then fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. Again, the king sent to him another captain of 50 men with his 50, and he answered and said to him, "O man of God, this is the king's order, come down quickly." But Elijah answered to him, "If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50." Then the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. Again, the king sent the captain of a third fifty with his fifty, and the third captain of fifty went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and entreated him, O man of God, please let my life and the life of these fifty servants of yours be precious in your sight. Behold, fire came down from heaven and consumed the two former captains of fifty men with their fifties, but now let my life be precious in your sight." And the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So he arose and went down with him to the king and said to him, Thus says the Lord, because you have sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, is it because there is no god in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So he died according to the word of the Lord that Elijah had spoken. Jehoram became king in his place in the second year of Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, because Ahaziah had no son. Now the rest of the acts of Ahaziah that he did, are they not written in the, books, in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? Ahaziah's story is not exactly a glorious one. I want to take three um, kind of passes at this text today. We're going to look at this from three different points of view. Is this one better for me to use? Okay, I want to look at this from three different points of view. Um, I want to look at it from Elijah's point of view, and at the end, I want to take a look at it from God's point of view. If we can attempt to do that, now um, as we go through this, looking at Ahaziah's point of view is it's difficult and it's frustrating to me uh, when I often when I go through the New Testament or the Old Testament. And I see these narratives, and I try to, like, place myself in the narrative because I want to, to truly learn why this is in here. What am I supposed to learn from this? It's hard to put myself um, in Ahaziah's shoes because it feels nasty. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to place ourselves in the shoes of someone who is running from God. But so often, that is where we find ourselves. Now, Ahaziah has fallen from his, his chamber. And um, in the commentaries that I was reading, and this is, take it for what it's worth, I have not found much to um, back up the historicity of it. But there seems to be some consensus that Ahaziah was probably up there partying, doing things that did not honor God. And he found himself in a dangerous predicament, and he fell. And he fell in such a way that shortened his life considerably. His, His injury left him ill. And I think many of us probably know people who have found themselves in that situation. Maybe they weren't doing something wrong. Maybe they weren't running from God. But we know plenty of people who have suddenly received bad news, suddenly received news that reminds them distinctly of their own uh, mortality. And that's a hard place to be, that's a difficult place. To find ourselves. And so Ahaziah has a couple of options in front of him. Um, he can go and seek the truth of God, and we know that he knows who this God is. We at least know that he knows who Elijah is, because he recognizes Elijah only from his description when his messengers meet Elijah. So Ahaziah um, could do that, or he can go and try to hear more of what he wants to hear, much like Ahab in the story, um, the narrative last week, Heziah knew that the God of Israel would not have good news for him. So he didn't want to send his messengers there. Instead, he wanted to send them to the people that would tell him what he wanted to hear. Um, I think of my, uh, my truck that I drive. I love it. It's an 01 Dodge Dakota. It's got um, almost 200,000 miles on it. It's been through a wreck and uh, it's, it's taken me, it had 90,000 miles on it when I got it. So um, it's, we've been through a lot. And it's kind of a piece of junk. And I love this truck. But every couple of years, I don't know what the laws are here in Minnesota, but in Missouri, every couple of years, I have to get this truck inspected. Um, my wife is from Kansas. She doesn't have to get her car inspected there. Didn't know that. Blew my mind. Was a little jealous. But in Missouri, we have to get them inspected. This truck does not usually pass. There is inevitably something wrong with it. And so I took this truck to a pretty reputable uh, mechanic the first year that I was in Joplin with it to get it inspected. And um, he said it didn't pass. And he said, please um, let us fix this. Uh, and I said, I'm in college. I don't have the money for that. And so I took it to another mechanic. And didn't pass there either. Um, and I started to think maybe the problem was my truck. And finally, I took it to a pretty shady mechanic that I had actually, people had said, do not go here. And I, but I just needed to get it inspected. So I took it and I got it inspected. And I knew the deal, because this guy, he walked out and he had a couple of windshield wiper blades. And he said, your truck's fine, it just needs new windshield wiper blades. And I was like, no. It doesn't, but this is the price. This is the deal. I understand. And so I paid for the windshield wiper blades, and he passed my truck for inspection so I could get it licensed and drive another day. Now, I had already received the bad news. I knew what the bad news was. I wanted to go somewhere that would tell me the good news so I could ignore the bad news and deal with it later. Isaiah finds himself in the same place, but it's a lot more of a serious predicament. And so, it, it's just astounding to me. Uh, as I was reading this, he sends off his captain of 50. And he the captain of 50 dies. And I don't know how he found out about this. Just that they didn't come back. Or maybe, maybe one guy, like, maybe God allowed one guy to go back and tell him. But he knows that the, the, the 50 have died. And so, he sends off another 50. They die also. And he's just not taking the hint. And he's like, maybe... Maybe one more group of 50 will do it. Maybe they'll get to the priests and bring me back the message that I want to hear. And they get to the priest and they bring him back the exact opposite of the message that he wants to hear. And this is when we, we see Ahaziah's struggle. Ahaziah, and we'll talk more about this when we, when we go through um, God's point of view in this. Ahaziah didn't have to receive bad news. But, but he receives bad news because he acts as if there is no God in Israel. It says it three times in the text. The Ahaziah is acting as if there is no God of Israel. God is still the God of Israel. Ahaziah just doesn't want to acknowledge it. He doesn't want to listen to what God has to tell him. Because he wants to live his life however he wants and do whatever he wants at the end of it. He wants his own power not to be infringed upon. Hard news. It's much harder to bear without God. I think that the, the thing that I see in Ahaziah's story is that we need to be people that lean into God's truth, even when it might be difficult to hear. We don't know what the result might have been if Ahaziah had gone to God instead of the false gods that he sought out. But we see that it would have been different. And that's not to say that every time we receive hard news, if we lean into God's truth, that everything will suddenly be okay. That's often not true. But it becomes much easier to bear. I've been um, working with one of my students through a book called "Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering." It's by Timothy Keller. It's a really good read. It's a really hard read, honestly, um, but it is—it's very good and challenging. One of the things that he talks about is that um, the biggest question of philosophy, of the study of philosophy, is how do we deal with death? How do we deal with suffering? How do we justify those things? And what they have recognized, what philosophers have recognized, and different social scientists have recognized over the um, past two millennia is that Christians suffer a lot better than most people. Because when we lean into God's truth, when we receive hard news— we can draw from a different source, which moves us into Elijah's story. Now, Elijah, I love his story because he's just hanging out. He's just doing his thing. He's, he's following God, one of the few people that is following the Lord in this um, era of Israel's history. And then God gives him this message to, to say to Ahaziah, and like, Elijah's a much better person than I am, because if I had received this message after, you know, Ahab just died. We've been through this whole, this whole series of back and forth with Ahab, and is he, is he going to submit to God? Is he going to repent? Is he not? And he doesn't. And Elijah, this is drawn out, and then that ends. Just, or Elijah's just hanging out. Suddenly he gets a message from God to deliver to Ahaziah, and there has to be some sense of, Man... we were done. (laughs) Can I just rest? But that's not his reaction. Elijah receives this message and he goes out and he meets the messengers. And I love the wordplay. I love the wordplay here. The messengers come and they tell him to come down from the mountain. And Elijah says, something's going to come down from the mountain, but it ain't going to be me. And he calls down fire from heaven and it consumes the 50. This isn't a a children's story. This isn't a a pretty sight, but it, it shows the seriousness of the situation. Elijah says, I will not submit to a king that is not God. I will not submit to your rule while you're following these false idols. I do not follow your king's orders to come down second group of 50 comes. They encounter Elijah. Same thing. They say, come down. Fire comes down from heaven. Elijah will not submit. And by the time the third group comes, the the messenger starts to understand that this is a a little tough situation. He doesn't really have the power here. He doesn't have the upper hand. Now, he's... Elijah's in the same place. He hasn't moved. And I don't think there's been a cleanup crew for the first groups of 50. And so this third group of 50 is coming up, and they see people that they likely knew laying on the ground. Probably can't recognize them, but they see them. They see, they understand the situation. And to their leader's credit, he recognizes that that he needs to be submissive. In this situation. And um, the way that that he speaks to Elijah is so interesting to me. He says, "O man of God, please let my life and the life of these 50 servants of yours be precious in your sight. He calls himself a servant of Elijah. That's not a small thing for him to do. And so God says, go down with this man and go to the king. Elijah is, is vulnerable when he goes to the king, when he comes down from the hill. He puts himself in a vulnerable situation. Elijah is already in a vulnerable situation without the power of God. And that's, that's what I see in Elijah's story, is that we need to lean into God's power. In Ahaziah's story, we lean into God's truth. In Elijah's story, we lean into God's power. God is a powerful God who wants to see good things for his people. He protected Elijah when he was surrounded on all sides from bad things. There are so many stories of God's power that we can talk about. And I just think of one time that honestly has really stuck with me. I did an internship um, in Ecuador for six months, which was silly. I don't speak Spanish. I do a little bit now, but I didn't when I got there. They told me there'd be some Spanish classes for me. There weren't. Um, it was a Chilean organization that was working in Ecuador. I was, the only, I was the only American there. And there was one Chilean who spoke some broken English. So I was lost and confused for about six months of my life. I had no idea what was going on. But there was one day in particular that I found myself in... Um, I had gotten lost, and I still don't really know how it happened. I'd gotten lost in this place called the Cooperativa. This is where we did most of our work. And um, this area, it was built uh, on wasteland pretty much. This was not a a fun place to live. The houses were made of tin and cardboard and cheap thrown away wood. There was no plumbing. They stole electricity um, and wired it to the houses. And drugs were rampant. All sorts of human trafficking was rampant. Violent crime was rampant. They actually often told me Um, not to go there by myself, but if I had to go there by myself, not to do it after dark. Because after dark, it was was a scary place. I mean, it's like any city has places you don't want to be after dark. And I found myself there after dark one day, and I had my backpack, which was another big no-no. Makes you more of a target. And so had my backpack. I was there after dark and I just remember praying over and over and over again as I'm lost. This is a like several miles by several miles across and I don't really know which way to go to get out, don't have my bearings. And I just remember praying over and over and over again, God, show me the way out. God, keep me safe. God, show me the way out and please let me make it to tomorrow. And I was finally found my way out, um, but not after, um, not before I I saw several groups of people that I I was nervous about. I just remember in that moment, if I had tried to lean into my own power, I would have been absolutely hopeless and helpless. I am not a strong man. (laughs) I don't really, I don't think I would have been able to defend myself against much. But leaning into God's power in that moment, he showed me the way out. I ended up out of the area that I was in in about Um, 15 minutes and found my way home and did not go back there without a friend. Leaning into God's power allows us to pull from a different source. We are not powerful people often. Sure, we have the image of God in us, we have the Holy Spirit in us, and we can pull from that power, but we, by ourselves, are not powerful people. If we rest in our own power, we will come up short every time. Every time, um, there was another season of my life, and it was it was in high school, and um, there were just a lot of things going on, uh, grief in our family from from loved ones that had passed away, and from different turmoil um, in my family, and I in that season, which is actually right around when I met um, Monty, and I'm just kind of surprised that he didn't uh, get rid of me then. I, I was trying to pull from my own power as I was dealing with all of this grief and all of this struggle at home. I was trying to pull from my own. I didn't want anyone's help. I didn't want anyone to pour into me. I wanted to deal with everything on my own like most high schoolers. And I ended up becoming a person that I didn't really like. And honestly, I'm kind of like ashamed and embarrassed of. And not just because I had like the whole Justin Bieber haircut. Like that's a part of it. But man, I wasn't kind I wasn't loving. I didn't show attributes of God to the people around me because I was trying to pull from an inside source. Elijah pulls from God's power. He leans into God's power and he's able to communicate a message to a king who doesn't want to hear it. And that is no small feat. A king who would have people dead for less. And he goes to the king, and he stands um, in front of the king, and he delivers this message. And Elijah is not the one who perishes, because he is pulling from God's power. Elijah spent his whole life leaning into the power of God, and pulling from the power of God. We need to be people who live in God's presence, who live in God's power. At the end of the day, we just need to lean into God, lean into God's truth, lean into God's power, But we also want to take a third pass at this. And we want to look at the goodness of God in this story. I think this is um, hard to do for a lot of people in the Old Testament. I have a lot of friends. um, I work with a lot of students who struggle in reading the Old Testament. Because uh, we see God rain fire down on a hundred people. And we see much larger things than that. that we, it's, it can be hard for us if we don't um, really try to understand what is being um, shared with us. It can be hard to see the goodness of God and the suffering of other people. But there is goodness here. There is goodness in who God is. Now remember, Ahaziah recognized God. He recognized Elijah, the messenger of God, just by the description of his clothing, which is funny to me. I don't know if you guys have any friends um, that wear just, like, weird things. Uh, When I was at Ozark, which is a unique place, uh, I had a friend who wore a blanket instead of a coat. And he would just wear this blanket around campus. Um, He was a unique individual, and everybody could, like, he could be way down, all the way across campus, and you can tell it's Corey because he's just wrapping himself up in his blanket, walking out of the cafeteria. Everybody knew who he was. Even if they didn't know his name, he was the blanket guy. I imagine Elijah is the, the dude with the hair coat. People know him. People recognize him. Ahaziah recognizes him. God wanted good things for Ahaziah, just like he wanted good things for Ahab, just like he wanted good things for every evil king of Israel. But Ahaziah didn't even want to submit to God. He didn't want to recognize that God was there. Instead, he wanted to run to these false gods. He wouldn't accept the goodness of God. God's goodness can be difficult to accept when we aren't looking for it, when we don't want to see it, when we don't want to experience. But it is there. It is always there. The only thing that changes is our perception, our limited understanding of who God is. God's goodness abounds in this story because he is seeking to protect the people of Israel from an evil king who wants to lead them astray, who has led them astray, and wants to continue leading them astray. God's goodness isn't just for his people, though. It's also for the individual. It is for Ahaziah. He wants good things for Ahaziah. He wants him to find himself. He wants him to find God and repent and follow him. And he just won't do it. He just won't listen. And I think parents probably understand this struggle better than most people. It is is hard when your children, when you want good things for your children and they just won't do it. They just won't listen. My mom has um, some little kids, my little siblings, and um, they're seven and five right now, and um, I'm trying to tell all the stories about them that I can before they realize that I do and get embarrassed about it. My little brother, that's seven now, um, was younger. My mom was potty training him. Uh, This is always just such that Excuse me for using this as an image of the goodness of God, Um, but you can't fire me because I'm the guest preacher. Um, But he's running around in his diaper. He's running around in his own waste, and his own nastiness, you know? And he's a kid. That's what babies do. But mom um, goes into the potty training phase, and man, he is difficult. He doesn't want to do it. And he's just just rebellious. And it's hard because uh, we're sitting there, we're trying to invite him into this new world into this world where he can be clean and doesn't have to smell bad all the time. But he's just difficult. I remember being home from college one day, and, uh, man, I love this kid, but I've never been more angry with him than I was in this moment. And he comes up, and he tugs on my pant leg, and he's like, hey, Austin. I was like, hey, buddy. He's like, I love you. I was like, oh, I love you too, Jaden. And then he just pees on my, on my foot. Because he, he did not want to accept this new phase of life where he could walk around and be clean and be good. And so we put him back into diapers. I was like, I'm, I'm out. You want me to stay? Uh, he needs to be in diapers. And he had to live in this nastiness for another couple of months until we tried again. Um, but, I mean, how often do we, do we act like that towards the goodness of God? It is right there. And we just have to accept it. We just have to walk into this. I don't know. Um, this is kind of a weird sermon for me. It's not like I've got point one, point two, point three, go and do this. There, there are three um, distinct things that I see here about who God is and how we lean into God. We lean into his truth. We lean into his power. We lean into his goodness. And I don't know um, which or if all of those things you need to think about today and what that looks like in your life. But I want to challenge you um, to, to really kind of step back. And examine for yourselves, um, where am I lacking? What do I need more of? And the answer is all of them. We always need more of all of these things. But like, what is something right now that I can feel the deficiency of in my life? And how can I lean into that more? And, and I don't know what that is for you. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's devoting more time to being in the Word. Leaning into God's truth in that way. Learning God's truth. Maybe it's devoting more time to prayer and studying new ways to uh, encounter God in prayer, leaning into God's power through prayer. And maybe it's just by listening. Maybe it's by sitting in fellowship and listening to the stories of, of what God has done for the people around you. The people around you have incredible stories of God's goodness that will challenge and motivate you. I don't know what it is for you, But I love this story. I love the the different aspects of God that we see here. This story is not about Elijah or Ahaziah. It is about God and his goodness and his truth and his power. What will you do with that? How will you move out from this? Because if we just listen to the story and let it go, it doesn't really affect us much. How does this impact your daily life? I want to thank you guys so much for um, letting me be here today. I really do love the opportunity to uh, communicate the truth of God. And, and I hope that this is something that, that you can dwell on for a while. And that you can ask yourself honest and hard questions. As we um, come to a close today, though, will you pray with me? God, you are good. And you are powerful in your truth resonates with us. God, I pray that we would be able to um, be people who submit to your truth, be people who seek out your goodness, and be people who live in your power. There are going to be times when we struggle with each of these things, God, but ultimately I pray that we return to you. God, I pray that we always recognize you as our Lord, as our Savior, as as our King. Pray that we don't follow in the footsteps of Ahaziah when things get hard. But instead, of pray that we follow in the footsteps of Elijah. God, I am so grateful for your word and for the way that you communicate truth to us. And I'm grateful for your son. It's in his name that that I pray. Amen.